I'm Pastor Mike Winger, and this is Bible Thinker, the program dedicated to thinking biblically about everything. This is why every single pro-life art... Pro- <laughs> Let me start again. This is why every single pro-choice argument fails. Today in the live stream, I'm going to be dealing with the topic of pro-choice. It's actually the anniversary of Roe versus Wade, and I'm inviting you to come along a journey with me that is meant to be... Um, as unemotional as possible. I'll do my best because yeah, I'm emotional. I care about this issue just like you do, but I'm gonna do my best to handle it factually, logically, reasonably. I'm not attacking you pro-choice people. If you hear me, let me start with this. I'm not attacking you. This is not meant to be an assault against you. Um, I'm not ignoring your concerns. You have concerns about women's rights, about sexism. Um, I hope to answer all those issues tonight and after I've shared my spiel, I'm going to be doing an actual Q&A with the live stream chat. So you can actually put your objections into the live stream chat. And I, I just want to make sure that, uh, that, that I've got AJ there with me, that he's going to be able to do that. Maybe you could shoot me a message, AJ, just tell me you're on board. Um, but uh, either way, I'm going to take your guys' questions, your objections at the very end of the stream. But first, I'm going to focus not on stories, not on just emotional language. I'm going to talk about facts and truth, science, philosophy, how that deals with the issue of abortion and why every reason that people give to support the pro-choice movement ends up backfiring and failing, in my opinion. Allow me to make my case and see if I can maybe convince you if you don't agree with me. Um, okay, so uh, here, we're, here we're getting going. Just by way of introduction, my name is Mike Winger and I do this on YouTube every week. Um, live streams dealing with uh, theology and apologetics. I am a Christian. I'm a pastor. Um, although my case right now for this issue of abortion is not based upon the Christian faith. Now it's consistent with Christian faith, but it's not based upon that. It's based upon human rights as being a valuable thing. So if you believe that humans have innate value, that human rights is really important and that society should preserve human rights, then you should be able to hear my case and consider it tonight. All right, here we go. Let's say that your kid comes to you and your back is turned, you're doing the dishes or you're working at your desk and they say to you, hey, uh, hey, mom, hey, dad, can uh, can I kill this? Can I can I kill this thing I'm holding right now? And and you naturally are going to ask, you know, you turn to your kid and you're going to say, well, what is it? Because I mean, this is the question you have to ask before you can say, can I kill it? You have to ask, what is it? What's the thing that you're about to kill? I can't just give you a blanket approval. I need to know what this thing is. Is it an ant? Is it your little sister? What is this thing that you're trying to kill? I've got to figure this out before we can deal with anything else. And so that is the central question. That is the one question that we have to ask when dealing with the issue of abortion. Because if this thing that we're killing is a human, a whole living human being, well, then no, you can't kill it. But if this thing that we're, that we're killing is not a human, if it's not even alive for that matter, then do what you want. It doesn't matter. Um, Greg Kokel is, is, uh, has popularized this phrase, and I really like it. He says if, um, and I'll be paraphrasing in my own terms here, he says that if, if abortion doesn't kill a person, kill a human being, then no justification is necessary. You don't need to give any reason for the abortion. But if it does, if it kills a living human being, then no justification is adequate. Think about that for a second. Because what we've done is we've taken this big debate that gets into all these other issues and we boiled it down to one issue, human rights, and we've asked, what is this thing? Can I kill it? That's, that's the issue. Um, some people like um, 
they like the phrase uh, keep abortion safe legal and rare i remember hearing um clinton uh, hillary clinton say this during one of the one of the times she was running for office um she says keep abortion safe legal and rare but here's the thing if abortion isn't killing an actual person if it's not killing a living human being why does it need to be rare like why not keep it safe and legal and let it be as common as you want it wouldn't matter if it was happening thousands and thousands of times every day it doesn't matter because there's nothing wrong with it it's like someone getting dental work i mean i want to keep dental work safe and legal but i don't want to keep it rare i'm not i don't want to keep tooth extractions rare i like it if they're safe and legal that's nice but i don't want them to be rare because i want them to be available whenever someone has a need for one right the, the rare part is weird because if it's not a person then kill whatever do whatever you want to it but if it is a person then the safe and legal part doesn't go with the rare part there's some kind of internal contradiction going on and it's like this in a lot of people's minds so let's talk about this one issue um this one issue is what is the unborn what is the unborn is the unborn one of us is it a human being this thing in the womb of a woman is it a human being now a lot of people are already going to be answering you know in the chat or in your conversations you've already got an answer to this question you're saying um yeah the unborn's a living human being or no 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 it's not it's just a clump of cells but what i'd like to do is not just share my opinion i'd like to share the opinions of embryologists and those who've actually studied in this field and so here we go this is a quote from a um from an embryology textbook called in the developing human clinically oriented embryology by keith moore and prasad um, these these two individuals they write and they say a zygote is the beginning of a new human being by the way the zygote is the very beginning the first stage in human development that's the zygote okay in case you're not familiar with the term just like an infant refers to a certain age a toddler refers to a certain age zygote refers to a certain age and that age is like day one there you are you're a zygote um, a zygote is the beginning of a new human being human development begins at fertilization the process dur during which a male gamete or sperm unites with a female gamete or oocyte to form a single cell called a zygote this highly specialized totipotent cell marks the beginning of each of us as a as a unique individual do you catch that it marks the beginning of you not just the material your body comes from but it marks the beginning of you as an individual tw sadler uh in his book langman's embryology he says uh, the development of a human beings with fertilization a process by which the spermatozoon from the male and the oocyte from the female unit give unite excuse me to give rise to a new organism the zygote the zygote is an independent new organism that's what it is embryologists ronan and o'reilly and fabiola mueller they write the following although life is a continuous process fertilization is a critical landmark because under ordinary circumstances a new genetically distinct human organism is thereby formed you catch that the science of embryology is saying that there's something that happens we have sperm we have egg they are not human beings right there's something they're products of people but they're not humans by themselves but when they unite they they form a distinct whole living human being here's another quote on on the field of embryology uh, philosopher david boone and author of a defense of abortion catch this he is a pro-choice advocate he defends abortion he writes for abortion but he's willing to admit 
what he's aborting. He says this, that we are identical to the embryos and fetuses we once were. He writes, a human fetus, after all, is simply a human being at a very early stage in his or her development. That's all they are. They're just a human being at an early stage in their development. To put it uh, this way, as I've heard, I, again, um, I'm getting, by the way, I want to, I want a huge shout out to not only Greg Kokel and his ministry, but to uh, Scott Klusendorf and ProLifeTraining.com. Fantastic website with tons of great resources and Abort73.org. I've got links in the description to those websites. I highly encourage you guys to check those out. Um, but they put it this way. They say, <laughs> Scott Klusendorf likes to ask, uh, did you evolve from an embryo? And, and I mean, think about how would you answer this question? Did you evolve from an embryo? And you think to yourself, well, maybe, maybe I did evolve from an embryo. No, actually, the answer is no. You didn't evolve from an embryo. You didn't come from an embryo. You once were an embryo. Just like you once were a teenager, or you once were a toddler, or you once were an infant. You once were an embryo. You once were a zygote. That's the nature of what is going on inside of the human body when a woman gets pregnant is that there is suddenly a new human body developing inside of her. But it's human. That's the thing. That's what the unborn is. In fact, the unborn has three qualities I want to outline for us. Three qualities that all humans possess. The unborn has that as well. The three qualities are living, human, and whole. Living, human, and whole. I like to unpack these a little bit. The living, human, and whole qualities that all that all of the um, unborn have. First off, it's alive. Okay, I, I don't know. Who, I'm sure someone will argue with you on this and someone will debate you on this. But let me just appeal to those who might be reasonable. Because I may, I'm not going to obviously affect unreasonable people with a reasoned case. But here's the reasoned case for the reasonable people. Um, the, the zygote or the embryo is alive. Okay, um, dead things don't grow. Like that's, that's just the nature of life. Dead things don't grow. This is a living thing because it's alive and it is growing. It is, it is developing. It is in a, in a process uh, of, of going through stages of life. It's just at its earliest stage of life. Dead things don't grow. Uh, Ronald Dworkin, uh, in his book, Life's Dominion. Now, Dworkin, 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 Dworkin is a abortion advocate. He travels around he, and, and his book is for abortion. It's to promote abortion. So I'm trying to quote those who are opposed to the pro-life view. So it, so it, I'm not having biased uh, sources, at least, well, they're biased. They're just biased in the wrong direction. And even they agree. And he says, abortion deliberately kills a developing embryo and is a choice for death. He's willing to admit it, fully willing to admit it. Uh, the former president of Planned Parenthood, um, an abortion mill in the United States, um, Faye Waddleton, she said, I think we delude ourselves into believing that people don't know that abortion is killing. Abortion is killing. There's a living thing and I'm killing it. Okay, so that's one of the qualities that a that a uh, an embryo has. I would normally I just say a baby when I'm talking casually when someone's pregnant what what do they have? They have a baby, you know. I that's my normal terminology here. But people get really picky when the topic of abortion comes up because it ends up being a fight over terminologies. Well, whatever you want to call this thing in the womb, whether you want to call it a zygote or an embryo or a baby, whatever you call it, it's alive. That's the thing. It's alive. But it's not just alive. It's a human. That's the second quality it has. It's living. It's human, right? The second one. Well, <laughs> it's funny that I really have to make a case for this. That, that like the thing that's growing inside of, of a pregnant woman is a human. Well, we know it's alive. Well, it's a human, by the way. It's not a hamster. 
It's not a, it's not a gerbil of some kind. Um, it's not a monkey. It's it's not a squid, right? This is actually a human. And some people think, well, they just, but they look funny at that age. Well, humans look funny at lots of ages. I'm sorry, but when children are even first born, they tend to look a little funny and alien-headed. When people get really, really, really old, we start looking a little more funny. No offense, guys, but that's just what happens to us, and I'm heading down that path myself, you know? This is just what happens. Humans just look that way at that age. Um, so it is definitely a human. For one thing, it has human DNA. I mean, DNA is the genetic code of life. It's like the genetic fingerprint, and this growing living thing inside of a woman has its own DNA and its own genetic fingerprint. The DNA does not belong to mom. It doesn't belong to dad. It only belongs to this zygote, this embryo, this living human. That's what it belongs to. It's it's alive and it's a human. Um, the gender could be figured out from the DNA, blood type, things like that. They're all immediately uh, present there in the DNA and in the genetic fingerprint that is in this living human being. Uh, Peter Singer, give you another quote, Peter Singer, he's an ethicist at Princeton University. Now he defends abortion and infanticide, infanticide, the killing of infants. So this guy's, he's, I'm sorry, he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but he's a well-respected Princeton guy. You can be both, by the way, you can be well-respected and totally, totally off the rocker when it comes to moral truth. But even he says this, he gets it. He says, it is possible to give human being a precise meaning. We can use it as the equivalent uh, to member of the species Homo sapiens. Like, so human being means member of the species Homo sapiens. Whether a being is a member of a given species is something that can be determined scientifically by an examination of the nature of the chromosomes in the cells of living organisms. In this sense, there is no doubt that from the first moments of its existence, an embryo conceived from human sperm and eggs is a human being. There's no doubt about it. Look, if if my DNA says I'm human, then my DNA said it when I was a zygote. I've always been human. It's alive. It's human. Uh, philosopher David Boonin, author of A Defense of Abortion. Again, this guy's a pro-abortion advocate. He also agrees. He says that we are identical to the embryos and fetuses we once were. He says a human fetus, after all, is simply a human being at a very early stage in his or her development. That's all it is, man. You're human all the way down. From the beginning of conception of life until death, you are always a human being. Regardless of what stage you're in, you're living, you're human. Those are the two things. Now, the third one, the third thing we can say scientifically, and the philosophy and science are going to be full, in full agreement here, and, and people who there will be people who disagree, don't get me wrong. I'm just willing to say that they're just off their rocker. They're wrong. Like, this is just demonstrably false to say that it's not a living and human and whole being. So that's the third one, whole, as in complete, W-H-O-L-E, whole. It's, as in, I don't, I don't know how to say the difference between whole and whole very well, but <laughs> good luck hearing it. Um, so let me answer what I mean when I say a, a, a fetus or an embryo or a zygote is living, human, and whole. Well, for one thing, you're going to say, how can it be a whole human being when it's not finished growing yet? Okay, so, I mean, look at like a 25-year-old man. This is a whole human being. Yes, but when that 25-year-old man was eight, he was still a whole human being. He just wasn't finished in his stages of development, right? 
he was eight years old. He, he didn't have a fully developed reproductive system. He didn't have a fully developed brain even. His frontal lobe was not really functioning very well, as is obvious if you talk to any eight-year-olds. Sorry, eight-year-olds. You'll get it when you're older. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's that's just the nature of what it means to develop. But it's not the nature of what it means to be whole or complete, right? An infant is a very small human being who's not not completed in development, but is complete in structure. This is everything a human is as an infant. He's It's one solid unit of human, you know, that's independent from others, even if it is dependent upon them, um, independent in identity, even if dependent for the sake of living. Um, Bernard Nathanson, co-founder of one of the most influential abortion advocacy groups in the world, NARAL, have you heard of them? They want to uh, get rid of all abortion restrictions of any kind. Um, so he, again, total pro-choice advocate here. He admits the same. He says, there's simply no doubt that even the early embryo is a human being. All its genetic coding and its features are indisputably human. As to being, there is no doubt that it exists, is alive, is self-directed, and is not the same being as the mother, and is therefore a unified whole. Do you see that that what we're saying here is we're just answering the question. Just just remember, just back up a little bit. I'll come to your objections in just a minute if you object. I will. I'll try to handle as many of those as I possibly can. And you can put your objections now in the comments. And uh, AJ is going to prioritize those of you who disagree with me. He's going to prioritize those of you who think I'm totally wrong. But what you need to do is don't just tell me I'm wrong. Tell me how I'm wrong. Give a specific case for your objection you know, make, make your best case. You know, I'm going to read that question. I want it to be good so I can respond. Um, so Bernard Nathanson, this guy, again, he, he agrees. We, we have a whole living human being here in an embryo, in an embryo. That means we're answering the question, right? What is it? Daddy, can I kill this? What is it? We're answering the question with, it's a whole living human being, right? In philosophy, and science are coming along to support this conclusion. I'm saying that if you disagree with this statement, you are unscientific and philosophically bankrupt in your handling of the details around abortion. Maybe on purpose. Maybe because you don't like the implications of this being a whole living human being. So there are some objections. Um, I, I'm going to say, I'll just save all that for the end. We'll, we'll answer your guys. I'll let you bring the objections rather than me. But right now, I want to give you guys a syllogism. Syllogism. Uh, here's my syllogism. And a syllogism is basically an argument presented with, um, it's it's like a, a really f carefully formatted way of giving an argument. And it's not just my syllogism. Again, this is this is like a pro-life syllogism. It's promoted by guys like Scott Klusendorf. And I, I think it's fantastic. I think you should learn it. I think you should write it down. And I think you should use it. And if you're pro-choice, I think you need to deal with it. Like this is what you have to answer. It's not just about name calling. It's about logic. It's about reason. Here's premise one. The first premise or first statement of the syllogism is, it is wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being. Can we agree on that? Like, this isn't a trick. This isn't like philosophical, philosophical trickery. This is just plain reasoning. It is wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being. Okay, I think we can hopefully all agree on that. If not, then you have a human rights issue and you're wrong. <laughs> like, I'll just be with the mass of people that think that you're nuts if you think that this is this is a wrong statement. All right, uh, premise two, abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being. Yeah, I mean, that's what abortion is. Abortion is the intentional killing of an innocent human being. 
Now, some websites, they argue against this. One website I found, it says, quote, during an abortion, the pregnancy is removed from the uterus. Wait, a, a pregnancy is a description of a state. You don't remove a state, right? That that's That's just confusing the language on purpose. What you're removing from the uterus is the... Is, is the zygote, is the embryo, is the infant, you're removing what we have now scientifically and philosophically supported is a living, whole human being that it will, in fact, usually they, they kill it before they bring it out. So it's the killing and then removal of a living, whole and independent, um, or a living, whole and um, uh, whatever I said, human being. <laughs> I'm blanking on it right now. It's, oh, it's so unprofessional. All right, so the next thing, finally... Therefore, abortion is wrong. Look, one, it is wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being. Two, abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being. Therefore, conclusion, that's what C stands for. Therefore, abortion is wrong. Because if you're going to say it's wrong to kill just anybody walking down the street or a toddler who's two years old or an infant that's six months old or grandpa because he's 90, then you have to also logically say that abortion is morally wrong morally wrong because it's wrong for all the same reasons because it does the same thing to the same type of thing right it it kills an innocent human being so that's 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 the uh the basic case for for um for the pro life movement and against the pro choice movement um it starts not about legislation it's about identifying what this thing of abortion is this is why they never use real honest terminology when well rarely when you actually research these things you get things like this another website i read said the doctor uses special instruments to evacuate the uterus and remove the pregnancy evacuate the uterus of what you don't again you don't remove pregnancy pregnancy is a condition you don't remove it um, you're removing the fetus you're removing the 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 human being that is inside of her Another website said several medic medication options are available to help make the abortion as comfortable as possible. As comfortable for who? Because it turns out there's two different people involved in the abortion. There's a woman and there's a child. All of a sudden, the whole issue changes, doesn't it? So now some people are going to object to this, this syllogism I've got right here. And I'm prepared to talk about those objections before I actually handle your objections. Um, so what I want to put up is... SLED. Okay. <laughs> SLED is an acronym. It's meant to just help you remember what I'm about to explain to you. So here's the thing. Uh, some people will try to support or rescue the concept of abortion from this rational, logical case against it based upon human rights. Um, they'll try to rescue it by saying, yeah, Mike, okay, fine. Maybe you're going to try to say that a fetus is like an, a, a human being, a real living whole human being, all that. Um, but they're so different than us. I mean, they're just so very different than us. Like, look at look at this fetus. It's like it's like this big, you know, and it doesn't even it can't think and it can't react to the environment, at least not for a few weeks at first. Um, and so it's so different than us. Um, so one thing you can do is you can actually analyze this rationally by saying in what ways are fetuses or embryos in what ways are they different than adult human beings? And the only ways they're different are really, they fall into four categories. And the four categories of those differences, um, you can summarize with the acronym SLED. So the first difference with the letter S there is size. The first thing that's different is they're just different sizes. Um, some are much smaller, some are a little bit bigger, right? But they're all much smaller than normal adult human beings. Their size is different. 
And to respond to that, I would say, well, does size make you more valuable, right? Is is Andre the Giant, was, was he more valuable than Inigo Montoya? <laughs> if you guys remember that. I mean, are, are bigger people of more value than smaller people? No, that's, I mean, that's insane. I mean, guys are generally speaking bigger than girls. So are guys generally speaking of more value than girls? I mean, a four-year-old is, is tiny compared to me. I'm six feet tall. You probably can't tell. I probably look like I'm three inches tall on your camera right now, but I'm actually six feet tall. So am I of more value than, than a, than a four-year-old little girl? No, that's insane. Size does not determine value. Okay. How about level of development? That's the L for sled. Another one of the differences, level of development. Well, we have in an, an, an embryo, we have something that's much less developed than an adult human being. And so because it's so underdeveloped, does that mean that I can kill it? Well, Ask the same question of a toddler. I mean, if, if a toddler, a two-year-old comes to you and you compare the level of development that a toddler has to the, to the level of development of a grown man, well, you'll see like he certainly isn't, isn't very big. He isn't very strong. He can't think very clearly. He, is, he doesn't know very much. His ability, not just to think clearly, but even the functions of his brain aren't developed properly yet. Um, he can't reproduce. He's so different than a grown man that I can, I can legitimately say his level of development has massive differences between him and an adult man. Therefore, am I allowed to kill him? Now, some are, you're punching the wall right now because you think that I'm too, I'm tricking you. I'm not tricking you. This is, if you say level of development is a case for abortion, this is your reasoning. I'm just applying it to other things in life to see if you're consistent. Because if you're not consistent, you're, you're using bad reasoning to, um, to validate killing the innocent. Now, you would never do that to a toddler or an infant who's even less developed than a toddler. You would never do that. You would never do that because you know it would be morally wrong. It would be reprehensible to do such a thing. So size doesn't matter. Level of development doesn't matter. And then finally, uh, or third, I should say, environment, the E, the environment that the, that the kid finds themselves in. Some say, well, you know, environment-wise, you know, as long as they're in the womb, then you can do what you want to them, right? Their life does not have human rights. But once they're out of the womb, now they have human rights. And this is, when you stop and think about this for a minute, you see that you see the, uh, the moral insanity of it. Um, to think that a, a seven-inch trip out of the mother's womb, seven-inch trip from out, from here, here to here, right? Here to here that that little journey makes you have human rights now that is to say the environment and the location and the place of a person is to give them human value i mean did you have different human value when you were at home versus when you were at work um if you're in if you're in prison are you and you're and you're locked up in a prison are you less of a human do you have less human value location has nothing to do with value has nothing to do with it. So the environment that the child is in inside the womb has nothing to do with the ability to kill it. It doesn't make any sense. Yet, believe it or not, this will be the argument people use. Well, in, their environment's different, so we can we can abort them. And then finally, the fourth difference, and this is it. These are the only differences. Size, level of development, environment, environment and then D for sled, degree of dependence. Degree of dependence. Um, this is obviously a big difference, right? Uh, compare like me to me when I was an embryo, I was incredibly dependent on my mother right now. Um, you know, other than living in her basement, I don't depend on my mom. I'm just kidding. I don't, 
<laughs> I don't live in her basement. She doesn't even have a basement. We live in California. So, um, no, I live on my own, respectively. But but other than uh, other than that, um, the, uh, the, the fact is, when I was an embryo, I was so entirely dependent on my mother for all of the nutrients that I got, for the protection of the environment, for her body to produce the the basically keeping me alive every minute. That's what happens at the beginning and then all the way through labor. And then even after birth, guess what? Here's the thing. I'm still dependent on her, aren't I? I mean, I'm still dependent. Are, are not infants entirely dependent on others? Are they now after I'm born, five minutes after I'm born, I'm still hundred percent dependent on my mom. If she doesn't feed me, if she doesn't take care of me, if she doesn't keep me warm. If she doesn't do everything for me or, 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 or some adult do everything for me, I will die. Does that mean, follow the logic, does that mean that you can kill me? No. It does not mean you can kill me. Because I'm dependent, I'm not of less value as a human, nor of less worth protecting, nor of less value in, in, in regards to giving me the things I'm dependent on. For instance, as you get older in life, you will become more and more dependent. When you get very old and you become, you know, you have needs for medications, and you have needs for certain certain medical procedures. You know, uh, my dad got a uh, got a um, a pacemaker put in, and that thing saved his life. That thing saved his life. He's completely dependent upon the thing. Does that make him of less value? No, of course not. Of course not. His, in, in fact, we give him the things he needs because he's of, of such incredible human value. Same thing for infants. Same thing for those that are still in the womb, the unborn. They are of entirely equal human value to every other human. Level of dependence does not make you of less value. We can't kill people because they're dependent. If a paraplegic, a 12-year-old paraplegic boy rolls into the room and the mom says to you, he's totally dependent on me, can I kill him? Obviously. Obviously, the answer is no. Um, level of dependence, or I should say degree of dependence, right? So again, just running through this, because I want you to remember it so you can make a case you know, when you're talking to people. The differences between an embryo and and and, and anybody else are just these four size level um, uh, size level of development environment and degree of dependence size level of development environment degree of dependence that's it those are the four differences and if you approve of any of those as reasons to kill people you're killing a whole lot more people than just the preborn people you're killing the elderly and you're killing toddlers and you're killing infants by the same logic and if you fight this you're fighting truth you're fighting truth you're on the wrong side you should be pro-life you need to stop, right? You have you have sucked down the the Kool Aid of our culture on this topic of abortion, and you need to change. Um, when the issue of slavery was uh, was being debated, Abraham Lincoln would get all the same arguments for pro slavery. They would say that there's things like um, uh, differences between the, the 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 black man and the white man, and those differences changed the human value of the black man so that he was not as valuable as the white man. Listen to how he answers these. I love this quote uh, from Abe Lincoln. He says, you say A is white and B is black. It is color then. The lighter having the right to enslave the darker. Take care. By this rule, you are able to, you are to be slave to the first man you meet with fairer skin than your own. You do not mean color exactly. You mean the whites are intellectually the superiors of blacks and therefore have the right to enslave them. Take care again. By this rule, you are to be the slave to the first man you meet with an intellect superior to your own. 
but say you it is a question of interest and if you can make it your interest you have the right to enslave another very well and if he can make it his interest he has the right to enslave you it's the same issue guys it's human rights i think that um that the issue of abortion boils down to one issue human rights end of story this is a human this has rights there's no significant differences other than size, level of development, environment and dependency, which are non-significant differences that have no, no impact on value. And so the child, the baby, the human living, whole human being in the womb deserves all the same rights that every other living whole human being has that we give throughout the rest of all of their lives. I should, shouldn't even say we give them, right? We don't give people human rights. They are inherent in us. It's the humanness of you that, that, that provides you with those rights. We simply acknowledge it as society. We acknowledge you're a human, you have rights. And the same is true of your preborn baby of these over 3000 abortions that are happening every day, 60 million since Roe versus Wade. Yeah. If, uh, if, if the, if the unborn is a human being, then no justification is adequate. End of story. That's why every pro-choice argument fails. And what I want to do now is I want to demonstrate it. So I'm opening it up. Um, AJ, if you could send me over some questions from people, put in your best objections to the comments. AJ is going to send those to me right now. I want to look at those objections. And I really hope people will actually interact because I never know for sure. You know, I, sometimes we have a lot of people watching, but not necessarily a lot of questions coming in. So I'm hoping that we'll get a lot of those questions coming in. I want to hear your best, your best arguments against what I just said. Why is it okay to kill the living whole human being that's inside of a mother's womb? And if uh, I'm waiting, if those arguments don't come in, I'll just, I'll, I'll make up my own objections because I've heard plenty and I've been in plenty of arguments with different people. So I can just handle those myself if that doesn't happen. Um, all right, here we go. Um, Barely Protestant says, uh, Mike, do you think that our normalizing of contraception contributes to our obsession with sex and our lack of care for infant life? Um, I'm not sure if I even know how to answer that question. So I am looking for, for the objections to the pro-life position. That's what I'm looking for here. I want to compare those objections to the case I presented to see if you can show, poke a hole through what I said. And um, yeah, so do I, normalizing of contraception, uh, I think the real issue for us of contraception is, is it... Is it preventing the conception of a human or is it killing a human? These are, there's a huge difference, right? Um, big difference between those two. Um, number two, uh, John Heather uh, Lay King says, can you please share your biblical view on IVF as it's connected to the killing of unborn children and joined egg and sperm? Um, okay, in vitro fertilization, um, I let me start by saying this. A lot of what happens when people present a pro-life case is we, we start saying, what about these difficult scenarios? What about these hard, challenging issues? And I think we, we have to talk about those issues and we have, to, we have to get into them. But I think we have to first acknowledge that they're not challenging the pro-life position. They're simply asking, how does this play out in life? How do we handle these challenging issues? So this is, again, this is not a challenge. I will answer it, but it's not a challenge. Um, so the... Um, Hold on. I'm getting there. My app spun around. Um, okay. In vitro fertilization involves uh, taking um, several fertilized 
eggs. They call them fertilized eggs. Well, it's not a fertilized egg anymore. Right? It's a zygote. Now it's a living whole human being and freezing them and then uh, using, using, implanting some and sometimes discarding the others. Okay. I have no objection to freezing. I have no objection to implanting because it doesn't, it doesn't harm the, uh, the, the person at that stage, but it's what you do with the ones that you've frozen and tucked away forever. You've, you've frozen their lives forever, or you have thrown them away. And that's, that's a moral issue, but the other sides of it are not moral issues. Um, Mariona Rogers asks, question for Mike, in your opinion, is abortion something we can abolish given the fact of how we know as the end times drawn closer, uh, the culture gets worse and more wicked? Well, first off, Mariona, I don't know when Jesus is coming back and um, culture goes, gets wicked and gets better and gets worse and gets better and worse. We, we tend to assume it's going to happen in our lifetimes. I don't know that. I know that I'm called to be a light in this world and to, according to scripture, as a Christian, defend the fatherless and take care of those who can't take care of themselves. This is one of my moral mandates from the Lord. Um, and so I think that my thought is this, even if I can't change anything, I'm still going to fight. I'm still going to act like I can change the world. And I think I can. Okay. I think I can influence people. I think someone's going to watch this video and change their mind and they're going to talk to their friend. And their friend's not going to get an abortion because of it. And some little kid's going to be walking the world years from now as a result of this. And that's going to be the mindset I hope that other people have as well. We can change it. Um, and we need to do it on a, in my opinion, on legal sides and we need to do it in the individuals and we need to change the culture and we need to change it all, change it all, change it all to human rights issue. Um, there, that's my opinion. Uh, number four, um, John Heather Lay King also says, uh, please ask Mike to talk about birth control as much of it, um, is abortive. Okay. Well, I did speak about that. If it's abortive, it's abortive. That's okay. To me here, let's put it this way. Even if you are unsure and you think at that first, the type of birth control, some birth controls, actually, they, they starve the, the, the zygote so that, so that the, the child dies. Um, it didn't stop the birth from taking the um, conception from taking place initially. Right. Okay. I don't think stopping conception is a moral wrong in and of itself. I don't think so. Um, and we can get a whole debate on that, but I don't think it is. So let's just say for argument's sake that I'm right about that. Um, then it's the abortion issue is, is yeah. Are you actually killing a human being? Then that kind of, um, uh, birth control isn't birth control. That's abortion. Okay. Um, from Austin Abenaki, if someone has an abortion or miscarriage and that life is taken to heaven, when we see them in paradise, is there any info on the age they would be in heaven? Thanks. Um, I'm, I don't think there's anything in scripture that gives us like any kind of clear indication of that. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that there's anything there. I don't, however, think of heaven as a static existence. Like I don't get old in the sense of growing decrepit. In, in, in the eternal state, but I do continue to live day by day by day and I'm learning and I'm changing and I'm growing. And so I wouldn't, so even if they, there was in some sense that they were this tiny age, I don't think it would be permanent. That would be my impression. One scripture talks about how God will show us the riches of his grace for the ages to come. Okay. Well, you can't keep showing me things. If I'm in a static state, I have to be in a growing and learning state. I believe that's in Ephesians. Um, Jenny Hassung says, Mike, uh, what about if a woman was raped? Oh, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. I was kind of waiting for these objections to come my way. So I didn't want to anticipate them, but what about if a woman was raped? Um, okay. First off, uh, okay. My heart would 
obviously break. I, I think we should have, obviously, you know, terrible things happening to the rapist, all that stuff being said. It doesn't, however, make it okay to kill somebody because their dad is a bad person or did evil things. And or even if the evil things their dad did resulted in their be them being conceived, that doesn't make it okay to kill them. Some of you watching might be a result of rape. It doesn't make it okay to kill you, right? Not when you're an infant, not when you're earlier than an infant. There's no significant difference between infant and, and preborn here. No significant difference as to value. And so the rape issue is, is a non-issue. Um, maybe the child will remind the mother of the experience. Well, it's not okay to kill people because they make you feel bad. This is just, we're just using reason and rationality here. Do we want to help the mother? Yes. Do we want to kill the child to help the mother? No. This is real easy to me, I think. Uh, John Heather uh, also asked this question. Um, asked me to talk about when life begins further, even possibly before conception, since God says he knew us before we were even formed in the womb. Well, I mean, God's knowledge of us doesn't mean that we were alive when he knew us. So I think this is talking about how God has a plan and purpose for our lives. I think that when it says, I knew you before you, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I think it's talking about his plan because he goes on to say, and he's talking to Jeremiah here. He goes on to say to Jeremiah, and I, I knew you and he, and how he appointed him to be uh, God's mouthpiece for the nations. So it was about God's agenda for Jeremiah. But he, it doesn't mean Jeremiah was existing before he was existing, because that, I think, would be a logical contradiction. Um, so, uh, number eight. Barely Protestant says, uh, Mike, does our normalizing of contraception contribute to our obsession with sex? I think I already answered that. Okay, I'll move on. Um, Star Welters I've, says, I've heard it said that Roe v. Wade didn't start abortions, but that it simply stopped women from dying from abortions. Is there any value to that? Um, I, I did hear a recent, recently I heard, and this is from Scott Klusendorf, who I also have a link for his his site, prolifetraining.com. It might be .org. I think it's .com. Fantastic content. Um, they did some research, and it turns out that the numbers they use for the numbers of women who died from botched abortions and self, like home homemade abortions, are radically overstated. Um, that it's not thousands, it's, it's like less than 100 in the course of a year. Um, at, at least the year before Roe v. Wade, it was something like 70-something women experienced that. But there's a, there's a separate issue that's even bigger. Think about this. If someone is going to kill somebody, but they may die in the process, am I supposed to help them kill that person so they won't die in the process? What do you think? Is that rational? I'm going to kill this person, but I may get injured in the process, so I think society should help me do it. Well, no, I, I think you should just not kill them. Yeah, but I feel desperate, but I don't know what my options are. Okay, well, let's help you with that. Let's help you with the desperate, don't know what my options are. Let's help you with all that stuff. And that's what, I mean, pro-life groups do all day long. All day long, they're doing this stuff. They have crisis pregnancy centers. They help people out. I've helped people out. We, you know, this is what we do. Um, but we don't help you to, to kill someone so that you can have a safer time doing it because it's a human rights issue. Um, let's see. Catherine Beer, uh, Bars says... Hi, Mike. I'm pro-life. Is abortion okay in the case of mother's a mother's life at stake? Um, actually, and, and here's something I think is really interesting for us. When we define abortion with the syllogism I gave you, um, is it wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being? Or it is wrong, excuse me. Um, abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being, therefore abortion is wrong. When you define it this way, the situation where it's the life of the mother, that's technically not abortion. Now, follow me here. here let, me, let me walk this out. 
um, intentionally killing the life of, of a human being, killing an innocent human, that would be an abortion. But when a mother's life is at stake, say in the sake of an ectopic pregnancy, that's like the, that's like the, the flagship example of this sort of thing. Um, the, the, the child, if, if we don't intervene, if the doctor does nothing, the baby will die and the mother will die. Okay. Now, some would say that doesn't even happen, Mike. It's not, but I, as far as I'm concerned, it does happen. And at least hypothetically, let's say that it happens. If anybody disagrees with me here, just say hypothetically, if we have the scenario where the baby will die and the mother will die, it's already going to happen. We are not intentionally killing a life. No, we are saving a life. And the unintended, undesired result is the loss of one of those lives that would have died anyways. You see, this is pro-life all the way down. We're for life. So the life of the mother here, saving her life versus losing two lives, that is a pro-life decision. So not, and not technically abortion because it wasn't the intentional killing of a life. Um, Star Welter says, uh, what about in the case of, oh, I got that one twice. Um, from two different people. So good. I'm glad you guys asked it. Uh, Lisa Daker says it's alive when the heartbeat starts, not before. How do you answer that argument? Um, because, okay. So are worms alive? Cause their hearts aren't beating. Um, right. I mean, all we have to do is find examples of things that are alive without having a heartbeat. The claim that a life only begins when the heart starts beating. Well, for instance, let's say that you hook me up to a machine and my heart's not beating. My heart stops beating and I'm on a blood pump. Am I alive? It seems arbitrary to just say that my heartbeat gives me life. It just seems totally arbitrary. And the people who say it, they never hold to it, in my opinion. Right? What they do is they say human life starts when the heart beats, but they don't vote for abortions to be banned before uh, until um, uh, banned after the heartbeat. They don't vote for that. They vote for abortion on demand, anytime, anywhere, any reason. So that ends up being a deceitful tactic. But but you can't rationally say like um, the baby wasn't alive until the heart started beating because it had specific qualities of life that we see in living beings. Like when you define life, we see that happening: living, growing human being from the moment of conception, from that from that first single cell state, which doesn't last very long. Actually, by the time you know about it, it's already passed. Um, yeah. So I, I'm actually, I would love to take more. I would love to have more of your guys' objections because there's more, I know there's more objections that I haven't answered yet. So I'm, I'm telling you, put them in the comments here. Um, please let me know. Please send those on over. And let me share something with you. Here's an objection that wasn't brought up. Um, is some people say this. They say that in, in the case of um, the, the um, incest and rape, those are like the two exceptions everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people agree on, incest and rape. I've already dealt with rape. It's an emotional topic. When you think about it emotionally, it's hard. When you think about it rationally, it's easy. You don't kill people for what their parents do. Easy. Problem solved. You don't kill people to make other people feel better about genuinely hard trauma of their lives. The other is incest. And the statement here is like, oh gosh, well, you know, the baby's going to be born. It's going to have like, maybe it'll have defects or, or, or it just feels wrong. It just feels wrong. Yeah, but you know, we don't kill people. Like if you're a toddler and you're a result of incest, we can't kill you. And there's no significant value difference between an in, a toddler who's the result of incest and a preborn, you know, embryo that's a result of incest. There's no significant value difference going on there. So that becomes a distraction. Not only that, but the Guttmacher Institute, which is the research arm of Planned Parenthood, right? This is Planned Parenthood's own research arm. They did their own research and they reported 
whether how accurate they are or not, I don't know, but they reported that less than 1% of abortions are done as a result of rape and incest. And the thing I like to say to those who think rape and incest are legitimate, which they're not, but if they like to say they're legitimate reasons for abortion, I just like to say, hey, are you willing to, just with me, agree that we legislate against all abortions except for in the cases of rape and incest? And they've never said yes. Because what I've found is they're just looking for a way around your arguments. They're not serious about dealing with the living human being that is being killed as a result of abortion. Um, so, uh, yeah, I hope you guys are still there. Um, if you got more questions, please send those in. I'll just look right over at the, uh, at the, uh, the live chat. Um, let's see here, man. I want to hash this stuff out because I've heard, I'll just, I can give you more, I guess. Um, here's one, Miss T. How would you answer someone who says the world is overpopulated? Someone who says the world is overpopulated. Um, I would, this to me is, it seems pretty easy. Um, is it okay to kill the people that are already in the world? Right? Like, why can't, why can't I? If the world's overpopulated and overpopulation is a reason to kill humans, why can't I kill the people that are already here? And, I, and if they say yes, they're a moral monster. And if they say it's wrong, well, then, there's, then they'll have to demonstrate what the value, human value difference is between an adult that I can't kill and an embryo that I can because it's a living and whole human being. They both are, and there's no, and the, the the value differences will always be on that SLED acronym, right? Size, level of development, environment, or degree of dependency. It'll always be on that list. So you can bring it back down to the one issue that matters that proves that every pro-choice argument fails because because these are humans. Okay, bottom line. Um, yeah, here's a question from Corey. Corey Key says, um, Mike, appreciated part 18 of Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, how does Okay, this is off topic, but I'll take it. How does the sin that leads to death and the sin that doesn't lead to death relate to the typology referred to in Leviticus? Thanks, Mike and AJ. I, if there's, you're talking about uh, in, in the epistles, the sin that leads to death, I think it's First John. Um, I don't know that it does relate, to be honest. I think that it might be unrelated entirely to typology. Um, I, there's different theories as to how it goes. I just don't think it's related there. I don't think you'll find the answer there. Could be wrong on that. Um but it could be a physical death, like like someone's committing certain sins that actually cause them to, to die. Well, don't pray for them. They need to repent of that. They need to stop that sin. Or it could be referring to some kind of spiritual thing. Um, and that uh, my jury's still out on that one as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I see lots of questions, guys, and I appreciate them. I was hoping to get more on topic. I want to hear the objections. But I think we've covered them because all I'm going to do is this, right? You get an objection, you come back to the central issue. What is this thing that you're killing? How is it significantly different from any other human being? Now, the bottom line is abortion is the killing, intentional killing of an innocent human being. Now, this has been a reasoned argument. This has been a logic argument. This has been rationality. And there's oftentimes very little of that in the, uh, in the actual abortion debate. Um, okay, this will be the last the last questions for tonight. Um, Michael Duke says, my 20-year-old daughter has lupus, gets pregnant, and during pregnancy has an enormous flare-up. Abort pregnancy or daughter may die. What does she do? Um, well, I think that if, I mean, if the daughter dies, the child will die too, right? So again, our, our principle is pro-life, right? We're, we're going to save as many lives as possible in this scenario. I wouldn't call it abortion because abortion is the killing the deliberate killing of an innocent life that's not the goal of this procedure you're just trying to save life if this baby's viable then they're going to try to keep it alive but if but if she's going to die the baby will die too if it's not viable it'll die 
So, uh, so again, this is a pro-life position. Um, the, the, and, and I'll add this, nobody I've ever heard has even suggested that we add the, um, that we add a, uh, a law on the books that says that life of the mother is not a, a, a you know, a legitimate reason to do a procedure that results in the, in the death of the child, but it's the unintended result. It's the unintended result. It's kind of like if you have conjoined twins and you, you know, separating them will kill one and the other will live. Well, you don't separate them unless they're both going to die and separating will save one of them. The death of one is the unintended result um, of saving the other, but it's not the goal. It's not the purpose. So yeah. Um, cool. I hope it helps. All right, guys. Um, hey, again, for more stuff, go check out um, the video description. Uh, I've got links right there to resources for you. I hope this has been fruitful for you. I may do more stuff on this topic because I think next to the gospel of Jesus Christ, nothing is a bigger deal than the topic of abortion in our culture today. Nothing. And just like many consciences were hard on the issue of slavery in the South back in the day, many, issue, many consciences are hard on the issue of abortion right now today. So we have to keep bringing it up and we have to keep fighting. And the more people that disagree with us, the louder we have to be, the more we have to talk about it, the more we have to take risks, the more we have to persuade people so that their consciences wake up because this is part of the calling even of the Christian church that we call people to repentance. And if you have had an abortion, if that's you and you're in that shoes and maybe you're, maybe you're mad at me for, for bringing these issues up, look, you need to repent. What you did was wrong. You may not have even really known that. In fact, a lot of the times, ladies who who have abortions, they're lied to. They're told they're having a pregnancy removed. They don't even. I mean, they're they're deceived about the very procedure that's happening. Just which just shows how embarrassed the the doctors are about what they're really doing. They've got to lie to the patient so they don't flip out finding out what's really happening. Um, but yet, you need to repent. You need to repent because the beautiful news is this: there is a gospel, and there is a, there is a savior who can forgive you. But you, you can't sit there and, and shout your abortion and think that, that, that this is, that pride is going to cover your sin. You need the blood of Jesus Christ. So I, I pray that you would repent if you've been part of an abortion, you've been part of supporting this movement, you've, you felt righteous about it, you felt like it was about women's rights. It, it, well, in a sense, it is about women's rights, women's and men's rights, as in human life, the most central, essential right that humans have, the right to life, above bodily autonomy, above anything else is the right to life. And um, so, yeah, we need to repent. We need to stand up. We need to change the world. And we can, and we will. Um, the question is, will you be part of it? So um, thank you guys so much for this time. I appreciate you being with me for the Tuesday live stream. And we'll be, I'll be back next week talking about another issue, dealing with either theology or apologetics, something that intersects with biblically thinking about everything, clearly teaching and defending Christian truth. Um, that is my goal. Have a great day. <laughs>